Matthew 28. The Bible says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. Amen. He is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples, that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you unto Galilee. There shall you see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And did run to bring his disciples word. As they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by his feet and worshiped him. Then said Jesus, Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts, God. And I just pray, Lord, that all of us here would hear a word from you today. And especially there's one here today without Christ as their Savior. They would realize that, Lord, you died in their place. You paid the penalty for their sin. But, Lord, thank God, not only did you die, you rose that third day for our justification. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. He is risen indeed. Praise the Lord. We celebrate this morning... Every Easter morning because it reveals almost 2,000 years, over a little over 2,000 years ago, an empty tomb. Because our Lord and Savior has risen from the grave. And those women that morning who went to that tomb and saw, how should I put this, what they didn't see, <laughs> and that was a body. They had a choice to make. They had a choice to make. Do they trust the good news? Or do they ignore the evidence before the very eyes? Or not before the very eyes? He is risen. And I'll remind us this morning... The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ was good news that changed the lives of the disciples and good news because of their impact, it changed the world. 
And the resurrection has changed our lives. And this morning, today, right here, right now, we have the same choice to make the women had to make. When we choose faith, we are found in Christ, and our lives are then made new. What will we choose? The resurrection of Christ from the dead, it requires you and I to respond in the same kind of way. And whenever we place our faith in Christ, He can take our old life and make it new again. We place our faith in Christ and He forgives all of our sins. And by our faith in Christ, our lives are now filled with hope. Amen. What choice will you make today? Yes, He is risen. He is risen indeed. And today it's an honor to gather together corporately to worship our great God and Savior, the very one who died for our sins. And churches all over the world today are meeting. They're coming together to remember and celebrate the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jason played a video clip this in our service today, and we're beginning a brand new four-week Easter series being made new. Made new in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the bottom line is this. The power of the resurrection, the effects of the resurrection, have reverberated throughout history. Jesus Gained victory over sin. He gained victory over death. And my friend, that changes everything. Amen. Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, folks, he's indeed a game changer. He changed everything. And that same power that raised Christ from the dead, the same power that brought him out of that tomb is available to you and I this morning. It is ours today. It renews us. It breathes fresh life into us and gives us hope for the future. The power of the resurrection. And the key to this transforming power is our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. Folks, please make no mistake about it. He died in our place. I deserve to die on Calvary. Not Jesus, but he took my place. And we have the hope of a new life. In fact, new life is unlocked whenever we place our faith, our hope, and trust in the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. But in order for there to be a new life, there had to be a death. There had to be a death. Most of you know me, have known me for a long time. You know, we grew up in southern Illinois. And I just told somebody the other day, they asked me where I was from. I said, I'm from the state of Illinois. It's a great place to be from. Okay? Just let that sink in for a moment. Uh, somebody told me that 
The only thing good they saw come out of Illinois was an empty bus one time. I don't know about that being true or not. But growing up in southern Illinois, right a farming area, a lot of agriculture going on. And, uh, you know, my dad tried to farm eight acres. He tried to farm more than that when we first got married. And uh, But back in the day, a lot of farmers, or a lot of gardeners especially, in the spring of the year, they would burn their garden patch. Everybody ever see that happen? Uh, they'd burn it, and uh, they'd get rid of the weeds and the insects, and and uh, they would burn that garden garden patch. And <coughs> certainly, in anticipation of planting time, I also read that sometimes, even you know, before they had weed killer thing like that, uh, a lot of folks who own small farms would even burn the woods uh, surrounding their homes, uh, in addition to burning their garden, uh, because by burning, they get rid of some of the undergrowth and give room for new growth to come in that area to burn off. So sometimes they would burn their fields, uh, the woods to kill off the insects and disease, and they would burn them off to keep the undergrowth uh, of the forest down, and it made the grass grow better uh, in the future for the animals uh, to eat. And after the area was burned, uh, they would uh, sow the seeds uh, directly into that warm soil, and out of ashes came new growth. That's the story of Easter. Easter morning began with ashes. Their hearts were broken. Their hope was gone. The Messiah was dead. Christ had been arrested in the garden at Gethsemane. One of the, one of the twelve, Judas, betrayed him. They took him, they beat him. After an unfair trial, actually six of them, three civil, three legal. The three civil were not legal. They were held before daylight. The law said you can't do that. But after the unfair trials, Christ was sentenced to death for crucifixion. The Bible says they hung him on a cross between two thieves. Within six hours, Jesus, he breathed his last and he died. But it wasn't just him that died that day. Along with him died the hopes and the dreams of those who had followed him. Three days later, there were two men leaving Jerusalem, walking back home to the town of Emmaus. And as they walked with their heads hanging down, their hearts broken, a stranger shows up. And they ask him, he asked those two fellow fellow, what's going on? Why are you looking so broken, so sad? And they said, Sir, have you, are you just a stranger in this area? Don't you know what happened? Don't you know that they took him and they crucified him? 
And then verse 21 of Luke 24, here's what they said. We trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, now get this, today is the third day since these things were done. Oh, what they didn't know. Yes, it was the third day. But something happened that morning they hadn't heard about yet. But the bottom line, at that point in their lives, they didn't know that Christ had raised from the dead. But I can see and hear the disappointment in those words. I can see the brokenness of their heart and their dreams being dashed before them. Because they believed that he was the one. They were convinced that he was the one who would usher in the kingdom of God and make all things right. But now their hearts are broken and they're mourning the loss of their friend. And all their hope was turned to ashes. They took the body of Jesus on Friday down from the cross, laid it in a dark, cold tomb. And it seemed like the end. From all appearances, it was over. It felt so final. But that was Friday. Sunday was coming. Sunday was coming. Brokenhearted. Three days go by. Some of the disciples thought, well, I might as well go back to fishing. It's over. Any hope they had was now buried behind a massive stone to cover the entrance of the tomb where Jesus was. That was Friday. But then Sunday did come. (laughs) Sunday came. Aren't you glad Sunday came? Amen. In In our text that we read this morning, Matthew tells us that at dawn... Two women, both named Mary, came to the grave of Jesus. Mark mentions that Salome was with them. Luke says that Joanna and other women were with him as well. And if we read the complete story in all the Gospels, we realize they were there to anoint the body for burial. In Matthew's Gospel, he tells us that all of a sudden there was a violent earthquake. Shook the ground. And it happened as the angel of the Lord appeared. And the stone was rolled away. Now let me make sure you understand. The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. It was rolled away so they could get in and see the empty tomb. He was already gone from the tomb. Now, by the way, I know the writer of Hebrews tells us to be careful how we treat people because there may be times we will entertain angels and not be aware of it. I pray, Lord, let me always not be aware of it. 
This angel, the fact that he showed up like he did, caused fear to strike their hearts. And not only just the fact that he showed up brought fear to him, his appearance was also shocking to them. The Bible says he was like lightning, his appearance was. That quick. And his clothing that these angels wore, the Bible said it was bright white. In fact, it was such an uh, overwhelming, breathtaking appearance. The Bible said even the guards who were assigned to watch over the grave were terrified and they fell down as dead men. So, Lord, let me be unaware, okay? But it's amazing, an amazing sight. How many know that God knows what you need for the moment? Do you know that? So these women are terrified. And the Bible tells that the angel speaks very tenderly to them. And he uses a phrase, a word of comfort, that's used at least 73 times in the King James Bible. And he says to them, fear not. (laughs) Fear not. And folks, I want you to realize, Easter is not a time to be afraid. It's a time of hope. It's a time of joy. It's a time of excitement. Why? Because He lives, we live also for eternity. Praise God. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. They had come to care for Jesus... For his lifeless body. But they had a problem. He wasn't there. Now, by the how many know they were confused? They weren't sure what happened. In fact, they thought maybe somebody stole the body during the night. But one thing they were sure of, the body was gone. It was gone. The tomb was empty. He had risen. And the Bible says the women run off to tell the other disciples, and now their fear is overcome with joy. He is risen indeed. Now, by the way, we don't have time to exegete all this today, but I want to tell you, all the The only thing the ruling Jewish authorities had to do to stop this thing was produce a body. And believe me, they tried. I believe they searched everywhere. I believe they they bugged the telephones of the disciples. I believe they hacked into the computers. Uh, They watched their emails and their text and their, I don't know, chat. What do you do nowadays? They were going to find a way to find out what did they do with the body of Christ. But they had a problem. They couldn't find one. You know why? He's risen. He was risen. So what does that mean for us? And I'm going to share quickly this morning three what I believe are lasting principles. Number one, the resurrection confronts our fears and offers joy. It offers 
to joy. Now you think about it for a moment, folks. There are a lot of things in life that we're afraid of. How many like the dark? Well, not me. Not me. Uh, Pam and I celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary this year. We went back to a very famous hot spot uh, to celebrate our anniversary because we went there for our honeymoon, Hannibal, Missouri. Everybody have been there? <laughs> the home of Mark Twain, come on! And we kind of retraced our steps. And I told Pam, I said, the strange thing is, we didn't have any money 50 years ago. We're still there. Huh? So we kind of went, we enjoyed it. We did some, some simple things. We went to, uh, I, you know, if you ever lived in the Missouri, Illinois area, there's quite a few caves there. I know there's some, I guess, Mammoth Cave down in Kentucky. I've never been to that one yet. But I think Jesse James slept in every cave in America. I mean, no matter where you go, Jesse James slept here. But we go in that cave, not a real big one, but it takes about 30 minutes to go to the trail. And you get in and they turn the lights out. It was dark. And I'm praying, Lord, I hope them lights come back on. It was dark. But I want you to know something, folks. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. His resurrection. And we live in a world where it's easy to find ourselves afraid. To find ourselves in a similar place to these women in the story that morning. Any given Sunday, there are people all across the world who come to church. But the problem is, like those women, they come expecting to find a lifeless Savior. Not ours. He is alive. A lot of folks come and are filled with anxiety. They are filled with fear, afraid that their lives will never change, that their circumstances will not change, that their marriage cannot be rescued, or that whatever it is that the, the news they got from the doctor, the diagnosis is a foregone conclusion, and nothing can change. And I'm convinced that for many of us, our lives are dominated by anxiety and dominated by fear. And maybe you're here this morning and, and you need to hear the message of the empty tomb, the message of the angel. Fear not. Don't be afraid. So the one thing the resurrection does, it confronts our fears because the empty tomb reveals to us the mighty power of God. Folks, make a mistake about it. Jesus was dead and the power of God raised him from the dead. And I want you to realize it wasn't just a reality then. It's also a reality today. And the only way we can live a Christian life is to be raised from spiritual death by the power of God. And my friend, it's available to all who will come and confess Jesus Christ as their Savior to everyone. The power of the resurrection. And I stand here this morning and I give God praise. And I thank God for the power of the resurrection because the power of the resurrection in our lives reminds me that my life no longer has to be hopeless. Why? My hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ, a risen Savior. Thank God He is alive. 
So the resurrection, Easter Sunday, is a source of great joy for those who have been born again. Great joy for every Christian. We are filled with joy because the resurrection power is able to make everything new in our lives. Old things are passed away. All things are becoming new. Our sins are forgiven. Jesus paid the price for us. The empty tomb means your past can be made new. The empty tomb means that your hope for the future can be made sure and new. The empty tomb means that your life can be made new. Let me say this morning, folks. I know what it was like to live in sin. I did it for many years, and I thought there's no hope to get out of that. But then I found the risen Savior. I confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and thank God He has made me new. I'm not who I used to be, all because of the grace of God. Joy is simply a byproduct of hope. Hope that if Jesus indeed has risen from the grave, then because of our belief in him, there is nothing impossible for our lives through Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord, we are alive in him. There will probably come a day when a doctor will stand by my bedside. And he may say to my family, tell them that I've seen my best days. But oh, how wrong he will be. How wrong he will be. Because at that point, my best days are yet to come when I'm going to see the king in all of his beauty. When I take that first breath of heavenly air, when I step over in glory and my God and my Savior say, welcome home. Welcome home. My friend, that is our hope. Christ rose from the dead and he did it to give us a pledge of our own rising because he lives we shall live also. Having grown up in the country, I always was afraid of snakes. To me, there's no good snake. Okay? Thank you, Cheryl. <laughs> Amen, right? Now, my grandfather, he, you know, being on the farm, he liked to took care of a lot of mice and stuff in the barn, but whatever. But especially, you know, we had copperheads and cotton mouths and water moccasins, and, and you didn't want to get bit by them. But I do know they had an antidote for them. And if you got bit, you went somewhere to get an antidote. Otherwise, it very, very dangerous, could, could take your life. But here's what I want you to know. The resurrection is the only antidote for death. It's the great antidote for death. Nothing else can take its place. Nothing else. Not your riches. Not your genius. No worldly pleasure. No pursuits. And Paul says, if there is no resurrection, we are of all people most miserable. Thank God for the resurrection. No matter where you find yourself today, 
No matter what your lot in life is, the empty tomb pushes back against fear and reminds us that the best is yet to come. Why? Because Jesus Christ, he is alive. Amen. So the resurrection confronts our fears and it brings us joy. Second principle, we're not going to get all three today. A proper response to resurrection is faith. I want to remind you this morning, it's up to you to choose to believe or not. But whether you choose, if you choose not to believe, it doesn't mean the resurrection is not real. It is. It happened. Faith is a lot of, as a word that we throw around a lot in the Christian community. We have faith in all kinds of things. <clears throat> My sister texted me yesterday. She lives in Texas. Said they found a spot on her lung a couple of months ago. They're doing, they've done a couple of MRIs, doing a PET scan in a little while. And she says, I have faith. It won't be cancer. I didn't say it to her, but my question would be, faith in what? Faith in who? Unless our faith is in Christ, our faith is vain. See, faith in faith is not good enough. Faith must be faith in Christ. In fact, no matter what faith it is, it's only as strong as the object you place it in. I told you the story a few times already, but I'm going to tell it again, right? It fits. About 10 years ago, my dad built a bridge for a, for a, we did a lot of work back then as far as construction work. This was a 40 foot bridge. Yeah. It was 8 foot long and 40 foot, I mean 8 foot wide, 40 foot long. Did you up on that one, Jeremy? Anyway, my dad was proud of himself. He said, that, 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 that'll hold the world. I said, well, get in your van and drive across. It's wide enough. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. Jason was working for an architectural firm at that time. And uh, so I took him a sketch. I said, take it to one of your uh, architects and tell them what they think. <laughs> and and he Jason brought it back. He said, well, he said, now, he said, I can't legally stamp it. He said, but it'll hold it. I go back and tell my daddy, he still wouldn't drive across it. So faith is only as strong as the object you put it in. Faith in faith doesn't work. Or faith has to be in Jesus Christ. I know what time it is. Give me, just bear with me one moment, please. Go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. The Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be Saved. The way to experience the power of God to renew us is a twofold process. First of all, you've got to confess it with your mouth. To confess means to give verbal affirmation. In this particular case, it means we acknowledge with our mouth 
that Jesus Christ was dead, he was buried, and he raised for me. Confess it with your mouth. But the second step in that process is, you must believe in your heart. We have to believe in our hearts that God, in fact, did raise Jesus Christ from the dead. How many know that anybody can say they believe anything? They can say they believe something. But make sure you understand, God knows everyone's heart. In this confession, confess with your mouth, yes. It's not enough to merely utter the words. They must be declared, professed, and proclaimed from our heart. Expressing our full conviction. Our hearts have to be convinced. That the power of God is real. And the first step is intellectual exercise. Confess with your mouth. The second step is an exercise in trust. Believe it in your heart. Let's stand together. How many are glad for the resurrection? Amen. But here's some news I want to share today. For those who are not born again, never received Christ as their Savior, please understand, you will be raised as well. But the Bible says to eternal damnation. And God so much wants to prevent that. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. And Jesus Christ, according to God's Word, not to my opinion, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes through the Father but through me. And the only way to be saved is to receive Jesus Christ. And in Romans chapter 10, Paul is addressing our salvation. And he says, it's right near us, even the word we speak. If you'll confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart, you will be saved. And this morning, I'm asking you, if you're listening online, consider those words. Because my friend, this world is on fire. And Jesus Christ is the only way out. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the resurrection. And we thank you that you come in the flesh. You lived and you died and was buried. But thank God you rose again the third day. In the precious name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Brother Rick, whenever you're ready. Thank you, Jesus. If you need to be saved today, today, folks. I'm not going to beg you to come. That's not my job. But you can pray right here this morning. You can confess Christ as your Savior. And when you do, and believe it in your heart, He'll save you. He'll make you new again. He'll give you a hope you never had before. And He'll do it just for you. He loves you that much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
love you so much. Make that choice today. Follow him. Yes, quick for a moment, please. Diane, who have you got with you? Uh-huh. We're, we're glad you're here. I'm sorry? Okay. Thank you folks for coming. It's a pleasure to have you. Now, we have four Easter lilies here. And we need somebody to take them home. Vivian, would you like to take two with you, one for you and your mother? Okay. Uh, Nate, would you take those two of them, please? Um, Cindy, would you like to have one? And take one to Diane, too, please. Yeah, don't take a fake one. Give them a real one. <laughs> we don't want to think church is fake. We got two more left yet? How many got left there, Nate? Two. I want to give Irene one and Diane Coyle one. By the way, they're only $20 a piece. <laughs> We're kidding. We're kidding. All right. We are kidding. Hey, folks, hope you have a great day. Remember, no service tonight. Wednesday Bible study. Can I come out and be a part of that? I'll also focus uh, Trey Life and uh, AHD on Tuesday. And, and, folks, thank you so much for coming this morning. It is such a blessing to come together to worship a risen Savior. Let's bow our heads and we'll be dismissed uh, in a word of prayer. Brother Charlie Glover, will you do that, please?